and they stayed home to dry off. <laughs> Praise God. But, um, amen. Those who came back tonight, you've come back for, for some more. And uh, I appreciate you being here this evening on this Sunday night, coming to worship the Lord with us. Amen. Uh, as Brother uh, Andy mentioned, uh, I am not Terry Carter and um, but he will <laughs> he couldn't be here with us tonight and um, so anyway uh, we've rescheduled that that meeting and that service those services and of course added one so uh, he'll be with us on a Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, on the 27th of November that's the last Sunday of November that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving so I can just eat turkey and watch football and rest and praise God and just come and get preached to on Sunday then. Amen. And uh, <laughs> amen. But, um, but he'll be here with us for both services. Also, that is, and I thought about this the other day when I, when I scheduled that and he had that date open, the fourth Sunday of November will be the anniversary of the first service that we had in this building. Amen. In 2013, the first service, nine years ago, um, we had our first service on November. I believe it was November 24th, but it was the fourth Sunday of November. So we'll have a little, a bit, that'd be a little celebration, a little anniversary for being here for nine years, the church has been in existence for 19 years, and uh, praise God, next year, we'll have to have a party or something next year, 20th anniversary of Abundant Life Family Church, we can't let that go by without having a party and eating something, amen, having some potluck and doing something and having a good celebration, <laughs> praise the Lord, so we're looking forward to that, who would have thought it, man, it don't seem like it's been 20 years ago that we began and that we started, and uh, but it has been. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. Amen. Hitherto, as the Scripture said, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And He will continue to help us as long as we keep our confidence and trust in Him. Amen. Praise God. Wednesday night again, we'll be in Revelation 14. So come and be a part of Wednesday night church. Invite somebody to come and be, um, be with you as well. Open your Bibles this evening. Um, I told Vicki this morning, I said, I, I hate to say, I, I, you know, I think, well, I'm just going to share a little bit and, and uh, we'll be done in a minute and then I get carried away. So I hate to say uh, I won't hold you long, but I'm not planning on it. But I do have a few things to share with you tonight. But John chapter 1, the gospel of John, in chapter number 1, the other morning, sitting there, uh, sitting there at the house, Thursday morning, I believe it was, reading. And, uh, man, I got to this passage, and uh, just there was something that just leapt in my spirit as I read this. And I want to share it with you tonight. I came to the church Thursday to just do some things, and I just grabbed me a couple of pieces of paper and began to write some things down as the Lord was, was dealing with me about this thought that He had given me. And so I want to do my best to share with you this thought tonight in, in John chapter 1, verse 19 through verse 22. Are you there? 
Amen. Verse 19, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, No. And then said they unto him, Who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. Notice this. What sayest thou of thyself? Or what do you say of yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And I want to use my text for my text this evening, that last portion of verse 22. What do you say of yourself? What do you say about yourself? Father, thank you tonight for the Word of God and the reading of your Word. And I'm asking for your help this evening, that you will help me to minister your word tonight as you have given it to me, that I will give it to your saints, to your people. Encourage us in the things of God. Encourage us with your word tonight. Strengthen us and draw us a little bit closer to Jesus. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. What do you say about yourself? And you know what you say about yourself as a believer is very important. What you believe about yourself and what you say about yourself as a child of God is important. Now, other people are going to say things about you. How many of you know that's true? People are going to say things that are not necessarily so. I don't know if anybody's experienced that in your life or not, where people, someone has said something about you that wasn't true. I think probably all of us have been there and experienced that. The devil is going to say things about you. Satan is the accuser. We know that. And he'll accuse you and tell you things, put thoughts in your minds and in your mind, and will talk to you and discourage you to do his best to rob you of your faith and of your joy and of your victory. If there's one thing the devil doesn't want, he doesn't want you to walk in victory or to live in victory. If there's any way that he can discourage you, if there's any way he can steal your joy, he'll do his very best to do that so that you don't have the victory in your life that God desires for you to have. Satan will say things, you know, such as, well, you're just no good. You're never going to make it. Uh, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care anything about you. I don't know if you've ever had any of those kind of thoughts or not, but anytime 
when those type of thoughts come into your mind that you're not, you're, you're just not worthy. You're no good. You're just, you know, God doesn't care anything about you. You're just, you're, you, you'll never be able to live for the Lord. You'll never be able to be victorious or overcome sin or temptation. When you have those kind of thoughts that come into your mind, that's the enemy that is talking to you. Because that's what the devil says about you. That's what his word is concerning you. And I'm going to tell you, if you listen to and dwell on what the enemy puts in your mind, you'll never overcome or have victory. And that's the problem with so many people today. Why they live in a state of defeat and discouragement and despair is because they believe the things that the enemy says to them and tells them and and believe the things that Satan says about them instead of believing what God's Word says about them. You've got to believe what God says about you and not what the enemy says about you. So if you listen to the enemy and dwell on what he's putting in your mind, you'll never walk in that victory. Paul said that we have weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he said those weapons, those spiritual weapons, they're not fleshly or carnal, but he said those spiritual weapons we use to cast down imaginations amen you know what you know imaginations reasonings those are those those imaginations and thoughts that the enemy puts in our mind those weapons are used are to be used to cast down imaginations um, and to take captive he said every thought to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not to listen to, we cannot listen to the accusations of the enemy. We found out in Revelation chapter number 10, I believe it was, that Satan is the accuser. No, it was chapter number 11. That Satan, no, it was chapter number 12. Hey Amen. Where are we at anyway? We're going to be in 14. It was chapter number 12, okay, of Revelation that Satan is the what? He's the accuser of the brethren. So we cannot listen to the accusations of Satan. Because ladies and gentlemen, it's not what Satan says about you that matters. It's not what he says you are that matters. But what matters tonight is what God says about you and your life and your situation and your circumstances. And what God says says about you is what you must say about yourself. Because here's the thing tonight. We're going to be agreeing with either God or the enemy. Amen. There are three, there are two voices, actually three voices that we have to deal with. There's the voice of God, there's the voice of the enemy, and then there's your voice. And, and your voice is going to agree with and line up with either the voice voice of God or the voice of the enemy. If you agree 
deal with the voice of the enemy and you vocalize what the enemy is saying about you, it's going to bring about defeat in your life. But if you recognize what the enemy is saying as a lie and you believe and agree with what God says about you, hallelujah, and you you put your voice in agreement and in line with what God says, that's going to bring victory in your life. Amen. You're going to be saying something about yourself. You're not going to be neutral in this area. You're going to either be saying about yourself, I am what God says I am, or I am what the enemy says I am. Amen. I choose to say what the Lord has to say about me. The devil has no place in my life, no rights in my life, and I choose tonight to believe and to say what the Lord says about my life tonight. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, we need to understand that. You're going to say something about yourself. This is what they did when they came to John and they were asking John. They were trying to find out who he was. And they were asking him that question. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? And John told them immediately. He told them who he was not. They, they, he told them that I am not the Christ. They thought that he was Elijah. You know, that it that, that had been sent back because Malachi prophesied that Elijah was going to return. He came, John did come, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, but he was not Elijah. And he confessed that and declared that. He said, I'm not Elijah. I'm not that prophet. They said, are you that prophet? Speaking of the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy 18, the prophet that God would, would raise up like unto Moses, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, no, I am not that prophet. And he answered them, and they said, well, tell us, who are you? What do you say about yourself? And he answered them by telling them. Here's what he said to them. I am, verse 23, here's what he said about himself. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. So what did he say about himself? He said about himself what God had said in the book of Isaiah concerning him. He said, I'm that voice that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah 40. He said, I'm that voice of one crying in a wilderness. So he quotes Isaiah 40 and he said, this is who I am. The voice of one crying in the wilderness as said the prophet or in other words, as said the scripture. So what do we see here in John? What do we see John doing? John was saying about himself what the scripture said about him. Amen? Are y'all with me? I said John was saying about himself what the Scripture said about him. And that's what we have to do. What has the Lord? we got to know and find out what the Lord has said about us concerning us in his word. And when we know what that is and we declare and confess what God has said and we say about ourselves what he said about us 
that will counteract what the enemy has said about us. Amen. You can't remain neutral on this. You're going to either be operating in faith and 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 refuting the um, the the accusations of the enemy, or you're going to be agreeing with the enemy. And I choose to, and you should choose to agree with what the Lord says. Can I get an amen? Now listen, there's been a lot, uh, especially back 40 years ago when the, the positive confession message came out. And, um, you know, we were, we were in church at that time when that became a big thing. And uh, the teaching came out on biblical, you know, on confession, confessing the Word of God. The Word of Faith uh, teachers and the Word of Faith doctrine uh, rose up back in that. That, that particular time, the early 70s, mid-70s, a lot of people began to get into that. And the word of faith teaching got way off base with the teaching of positive confession. They begin to teach that, you know, you, you, you could just take your words and speak things into existence. That if you would confess that you had something, uh, that you would get it, even though you didn't have it. If you confessed it and if you said it enough that you would get it there were people confessing automobiles and confessing houses and all kinds of things I don't know if anybody ever dealt with any of that or not but I was around that and and saw a lot of people uh, involved in that particular teaching they believed that if you were sick you just confessed that you weren't sick you just confessed you know you could confess it away they would deny symptoms and deny sickness and deny their circumstances and I'm going to tell you something about faith tonight. Faith does not ever deny the situation. It doesn't ever deny the circumstances, but faith looks at the circumstances and the situation and says, well, I know this is here. I know that it's real, but I've got a God that's bigger than my circumstances, and I've got a God that's bigger than my situation. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Faith never denies the existence or the reality of sickness and disease. That is what Christian science does. Christian science teaches that sickness is just a figment of your imagination, that you're not really sick. You just think you're sick. And uh, a lot of the confession teaching back in those days uh, borderlined on that. They would say, well, it's not. What we believe is not Christian science. It's just Christian sense. But a lot of it did border on metaphysical teachings and mind science religions a mind over matter type of thing and that 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 type of belief and teaching of mind over matter is not found in the word of God okay however there is a teaching in the word of God that we are to control our thoughts and our mind that we're to renew our mind with the word of God that we are to meditate on the word of God 
that we are to feed our faith with the Word of God. And there is a teaching, ladies and gentlemen, a true and a right and a correct biblical teaching on confession. It's not what the Word of Faith people, um, what they taught back in the 70s, but there is a right and a wrong teaching on the subject of positive confession. And if you will study the Word of God, you'll find out that the Bible does tell us that we are to confess or to profess a good profession before the Lord and before the world. Is anybody here tonight? Are you following what I'm saying? So, you know, the Christian faith is the great confession. You get into the, to the body of Christ. You get born again. How? By, a, by confessing Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Amen. You confess your sins unto God. Then you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. And you declare by the blood of Jesus, I am saved. That that is a positive confession, and that is a right confession. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you are saved and born again. Praise be to God. So we've got to understand, amen, that there is a right and a biblical teaching on confession, on the positive side of confession. That word confession that's used in the New Testament is uh, uh, homologios, which simply means to say the same thing. Homo, it's made up of two Greek words. Homo means same. Logios means to say or, to, or the word. So it means to say the same thing or to agree with. So there are two sides. When we talk about confession, the word confession or the teaching of confession in the Bible, there are two sides to confession. There is a negative side and there is a positive side. The negative side of confession is that when that we confess our sins. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that is one side of confession. When you sin, what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to do as the, as the hypergrade people teach and just go uh, and ignore that and act like it didn't happen. But if you sin as a believer, as a Christian, you're to confess that sin to the Lord. What does that mean? Confess. To say the same thing. To agree with. You are agreeing with God. Lord, I have sinned. I've done something wrong. I've done something that is against you and against your word. I, I confess that that was wrong and I ask you to forgive me. And how many knows that when you do that... Immediately, instantly, at that very moment, hallelujah, that you confess that sin immediately. He is faithful and he is just and he forgives and he washes it and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Is that good news tonight? Yes, it is. Well, praise God. That is the, that is the negative side. But, but there is also a positive side to confession, which means to say the same thing that God's Word says about us. In other words, to say who we are, who you are in Jesus Christ. 
what you have and who you are in Christ Jesus. Not just making something up, but, but declaring and professing what the Bible says. What do you say about yourself, who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ? Back in that day when we, when we, when, when we observed so many people getting into the wrong aspects and areas of positive confession. I had saw, as I mentioned, I would saw people that would go out and they would buy a, a brand new car that they could not afford. And they would confess, make the declaration confess that is paid for. Well, it wasn't. And you know what happens when you, when you buy a car you can't afford and you don't make payments on it for a few months? You know what happens? Repo man shows up. Amen? And I saw people, I saw that happen to people. And then their faith would be devastated. And they would say, well, why didn't that work? You know, you, they taught us you could have what you say. So I bought a car and, and I'm just saying it's paid for. And, uh, but it didn't happen. You know why it didn't happen? Because that's not the biblical teaching of confession. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Amen. I saw people that would uh, that would confess and declare that they were healed. People that that want you know I've saw people die. I saw people in the church die from confessing they were healed, throwing away their medicine, throwing away their insulin, throwing away medicines that they need and declaring I'm healed. I don't need that medicine. And I visited them in the hospital and watched them die because they refused to take them. They weren't healed. Are you hearing me? All the saying it in the world didn't make it so. Was the price paid for at the cross? Yes, it was. And should you believe for your healing? Yes, you should. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says if you throw your medicine away, God's going to heal you. You wait. You just wait. Wait and believe God for healing. And if God... God heals you, let the doctor take the medicine away. You won't need it anymore. Come on, amen. Am I making any sense to anybody? But there's a right and a wrong. So there's a there's a biblical, there's a biblical area, a true teaching of confession. And what has happened is, is that we uh, what we have thrown out the baby with the bathwater, I think. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 23 that we are to hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful who promised again that word profession or confession in that verse speaks of declaring and saying the same thing amen so the positive area of confession is for you and I to say the same thing God's word says about us. Who we are in Jesus. I am. Now listen to me. I am who and what God says I am in Jesus Christ. If my life is in Christ and my life is hid with Christ in God, I am who he says I am in Jesus. 
Amen. That is my that is my position in Christ. That is your position in Christ. If you are in him, what he says you are and have in him. What do you say about yourself? I've got to agree with what the Lord says. See, it doesn't matter what the devil says about me. It does matter what the Lord says about me, what God says about me. And I have to agree with one or the other other and I must say and declare with my mouth what I believe in my heart about what I am and who I am in Jesus Christ. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 13 he said we have the same spirit of faith at as it is written, I believe, I believed, therefore I spoke. I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. So we will declare and say what we believe in our heart. Will what you've got in your heart and believe in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. Is that right? It will. It will. Out of the, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you can always tell what we have in our heart in abundance when the pressure's put on, what comes out, what pops out. Woo, quiet here tonight. But there is a wrong confession teaching. And I think I've tried to explain what that is. But there is a right confession teaching on the positive side. What are you saying about yourself? You are saying something. Now, there are a lot of biblical examples that we could give concerning this. One of them that we can look at, and I won't take a lot of time on this, because I, I've got something I want to share with you here about some of the areas of that, that uh, some of the things we do have in Christ. But in the Old Testament, <clears throat> we see the example of the 12 spies. You remember that? Ten of those spies. And what had God said about them, about Israel? What had God said about them? He had said, I've given you the land. Is that what he said? He had told Moses, he had promised them that the land is yours. Well, Moses sends the spies over to spy out the land to see what it's all about and see what it's like. They go over there and they get to looking around and they find that it is a land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. There is honey in the rock. Praise God. There are blessings galore there. They, it took the two guys uh, carrying one, one um, a bunch of, of grapes on a pole between them. They were huge, huge grapes. That was the fruit of the land. And they saw how good the land was, that it was everything that God said it was. But they also saw the children of Anak there. They saw the giants there. And they came back after spying the land for 40 days, and they gave a report to the people, to Moses and to the people of Israel. And they said, oh, the land is wonderful. It's everything that God said that it was, and uh, it's all good, and it's all great. This is the fruit of it. But here was the thing. 
thing. But they said, we can't go in. We can't conquer it. We can't. Notice this. What are they saying of their self? We can't do it. Because we saw there the children of Anak. And here's what those ten spies said of themselves. We, were, we looked like grasshoppers. We were just little old grasshoppers in their sight. Man, they could just squash us like a, like a bug. And so were, so were we in their sight as grasshoppers. There's no way that we, can, that we can go in and conquer this land. They were saying about themselves the exact opposite of what God had said. Do you see what I'm saying? But there was two guys in that group by the name of one Joshua and one Caleb. And the Bible said concerning them that they they had another spirit, hallelujah, that they followed the Lord wholly, completely, and fully. Praise God. And old Joshua and Caleb stood up, and he tried to get those unbelievers to hush their mouth. And, they, and Joshua and Caleb said, what did they say? Oh, they said this, the Lord is with us. We can go up. Don't listen to these unbelievers. We can go up, and we can possess that land. God God has given to it, given it to us. He's promised it to us. And their defense is departed from them. Yes, there's giants there. But we've got God on our side. And with God on our side, we can go in and conquer the land. What are they saying about themselves? They're saying what God said about them. God said you can overcome. You can win it. I have given it to you. Well, those ten spies and all the rest of Israel their bones were bleached in the wilderness they never went into that promised land all because the Bible said they couldn't enter in Hebrews said because of their unbelief but oh Joshua and Caleb yeah they had to follow that bunch around for 40 years but 40 years later Joshua and Caleb were the only two and God said of them these two men will possess the land and possess their inheritance they went in and I'm telling you I love old Joshua or or old Caleb he went to Joshua and he said you remember 40 years ago what the Lord said about me he said that I could have Mount Hebron for my inheritance he said I'm going to tell you what old Josh he said I'm just as strong today as I was 40 years ago hallelujah I've got the same strength I've had the Lord has kept me all these years I want you to give me that mountain. I I can go up there and drive them giants out. I can go up there and do this. Why? Because I've got the Lord on my side. What do you say about yourself? Are you victorious or are you defeated? Oh, are you on top or are you on the bottom? Has God won the victory or are you living a life of defeat? What do you say about yourself? Somebody needs to pray. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise God. David and Goliath's story, same thing. You know, same thing. Little old teenage David, I preached on that a few weeks ago. Little old teenage David goes out there, Goliath's huffing and puffing. He's a type of the devil, Goliath is. He's out there saying... You know, uh, defying the armies of God. And David comes out there and sees him and says, I'll go fight him. 
I'll go fight him. I, I, I'll take him on any day of the week. Who does he think that he is? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to find the armies of the living God? Well, what was it he met with right, right away? His brother and Saul both saying, well, who do you think you are? You can't fight that giant. He's a man of war from his youth. You're just a little old kid. You can't fight him. But what do you say, David, about yourself? He said about himself, he said, I'll tell you what. He says, I was out there keeping my, uh, my father's sheep, and there was a lion crept in there, had lamb chops on his mind. He thought he was going to get him some lamb chops. But he said, I'll tell you, I grabbed him by the, by the beard, and I defeated him and killed him. A bear came in a little later. I took him by the jaw and ripped his jaw off and defeated him too. And here's what he said about himself. He said, the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear he will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. I will fight him and I will overcome. Woo! He got him five little smooth stones from the brook. And it is true. Goliath had four brothers. Amen. He's ready for all of them. He's going to fight the whole family if he has to, but he only needs one stone. He takes five stones from the brook. He goes up there. He goes down into the valley, and Goliath is, is disdaining him and taunting him and cursing him. And the devil says to him, you little runt. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> you little pipsqueak, you. You coming out here. He just laughed. Goliath did. said, what do they think they're doing in this little runt out here to fight me? He said, well, I'm going to take you and feed you to the fowls of the air. That's the way the devil talks. I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. I'm going to defeat you and kill you and destroy you. And oh, David, what do you have to say? Oh, David. What do you have to say about yourself? He said, well, I'll tell you this, old buddy. He said, oh, big shot. He said, I'll tell you this. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I'm coming to you today in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he said, this day, this day, God will deliver you into my hand. This day, I'll have your head, oh boy. This day, God is going to give me the victory over you for the battle is the Lord's and he will get, deliver you into my hand oh hallelujah oh David wasn't like the rest of them he wasn't tucking his tail and running but he said no I'll tell you what I'm going to say what God has said God is on my side and I'm telling you when you realize that greater is he what are you saying about yourself greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. What are you saying about yourself? If God be for me, who can be against me? What are you saying about yourself? Yea, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us in Jesus. We have the victory. You need to claim it and declare it in the name of the Lord. My, 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 my. Praise God. Do you see the difference? Huh? Do you see the difference?
in the right teaching and the wrong teaching. Praise God. Now let me give you what I got here. Four quick things. Okay? Four quick things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of who you are in Christ. Listen. When you, when you read the New Testament, especially the letters to the churches, the epistles, those letters to the churches, uh, from Romans all the way through, all of those epistles were written to you. They're letters to you. They're to saints. They're to believers. They're not to the world. They're not to the sinner. They're to you as believers. And when you read those New Testament epistles, you read them, there are phrases in there that you will see throughout, I think it's about 140-something times, the phrases, in Him, in Christ, in whom, in the Beloved. Those type of phrases. And get you a, get you a, a, a pen, you know, if you mark in your Bible, and if you don't, Go get you one you can mark in. And, 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 and when you're reading those epistles, every time you see that phrase, in Christ, circle it. And notice what it says. Because you're in Christ. And what he's getting ready to say there about being in Christ is who you are in Christ and through what Christ did for you at the cross. Okay? So that's a good way to study the epistles and write those scriptures down that these are the things that he has provided at Calvary for us and by, by virtue of being in Christ this is who we are and this is what we have and this is what we say of ourselves. number one is found I'm just going to give you four of them there's 140 but I'm going to give you uh, one, two, three, four 140 would take us a while wouldn't it? <laughs> but one is this. Very simple. Very elementary. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many are in Christ tonight? If any man, and that means man, woman, you know, male, female, any person be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. I say that about myself. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I, <laughs> woo, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not who I used to be. And oh, when that old devil comes around, around saying oh you remember boy every once in a while you'll just be sitting there and just not even thinking about anything at all about the past all of a sudden bam there's a thought about something you did 30 40 years ago or whatever you know something that you did and you think where in the world did that come from but oh hallelujah I'm glad to know that old boy is dead I am now in Christ I am now a new creature
future. And all the old things and the old life and the old stuff is passed away. I am not what I used to be. All of my desires are brand new. The things that I once hated, now I love. And the things that I once loved, now I hate because I've been reborn and remade. I'm in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. My life is changed and I am a brand new man in him. How many can say tonight, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. My life is changed and my sins are gone. Amen. Amen. Number two is this. Just a few verses down from that 17th verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin was made to be, was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made, notice this, the righteousness of of God, here's the phrase, in him. Who's that him he's talking about? In Jesus. Amen. What do you say? What do you say about yourself? I say that Jesus went to Calvary and took my sin at the cross. He was made a sin offering for me. He knew no sin, but he took my sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God in him. As long as I am in in him, I am in right standing with God. I don't have righteousness of my own that I'm declaring because all my righteousness is as filthy rags. But in him, hallelujah, in Christ, he has given me his spotless robe of righteousness. He, he took my old sinful rags of, of sin and uncleanness and clothed me with his spotless robe of righteousness. Come on somebody. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1. We have been made free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 and 2. So I declare that. I tell the devil that. I let him know that. I am in Jesus Christ. And you can try to bring all your condemnation and guilt on me all you want to but devil let me tell you something I am the righteousness of God in Christ there is no guilt there is no condemnation I have right standing with God I've been justified and declared not guilty just as if I had never sinned that is my position in Jesus Christ and that is what I say of myself come on somebody Hallelujah, that'd make a Presbyterian shout. Glory to God. <laughs> We've been clothed. That old song we used to sing, that old hymn. I gave, oh, it was an old chorus maybe, but it said, I gave him my old tattered garments, and he gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna. 
from heaven. And that's why I'm happy tonight. You know why I'm happy tonight? Because my sin is gone. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Number three. I could preach a series on this. Number three. Number three. I say, what do you say about yourself? I'm going to say this. I am blessed and not cursed. Hallelujah. I am blessed and not cursed. You hear people talking about, oh, i got to find somebody to pray for me and break this old generational curse off my life. Let me tell you, if you are in Jesus Christ, there ain't no curse in your life. Are you hearing me? I don't care what great-grandpa did. I got on that ancestry thing, and I was running my ancestry here a while back, and back to as far as I could get it, you know, and some of them old boys didn't live very long in that Hensley line. I'm probably there so honoring me, and somebody shot them. Amen. Somebody probably snuffed them out. Amen. I don't know. But 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 it doesn't matter. Oh, what kind of what kind of generational curse is passed down through that bloodline into you? Well, you know what? It really doesn't make any difference because here's the thing. Christ, hallelujah. Listen to me, Galatians 3:13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Let me tell you something. With your faith in Jesus Christ and your life hid in Christ, you need to say that about yourself. Christ has redeemed me from the curse, so I am not cursed. The blessing of Abraham is mine. The blessing of Abraham rests on me. I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the field. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. Hallelujah. He blesses my basket. He blesses my storehouse. He blesses me in everything I do. He's made me the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Somebody come on or shout. The blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Oh, Balak hard Balaam to curse Israel. And every time he opened his mouth, a blessing came out. He said, what do you think you're doing? I hired you to curse them. He said, I, can't, I can only say what God tells me to say. He said, how? God said, how can I curse what he has blessed? He said, God has blessed and I cannot reverse it to make you get up and holler a little bit. Amen. God has blessed in Christ. I am blessed in Christ. You are blessed. And Ephesians 1 and 3 said he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have the blessing of the Lord on your life. The favor of God is your you're lost in the fog tonight cause you're the fog the favor of God cause you're in Jesus Christ what are you going to say about yourself Woo! I'm going to tell you you get to doing this you have some victory in your life that old discouragement can't hang around last one number four oh hallelujah 
What do you say about yourself, Brother Rick? I say that I am delivered from the power of darkness. Got Colossians 1 and 13. Can you put that up there? Colossians 1 and 13. Look what it says. Who hath... Now, this is a little different, but... It's talking, it's not asking who hath, but it's saying this is what he has done. And that word hath is in the past tense. It's not something that he's going to do. It's something that's already a done deal in Christ. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and he hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And look at that next verse. Verse number 14 says, In whom, I think it says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness, even the forgiveness of sins. So what do you say about yourself? I say about myself that I am delivered. Not going to be. Not future tense. It's done at Calvary. And I'm in Christ. And He he has already delivered me from the power and the authority of darkness. The devil and demon spirits and the powers of darkness have no authority over me and over my life. I am no longer in the kingdom of Satan or under his domain. I have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son and I am a child of almighty God I'm going to tell you tonight saints I refute the foolishness today the foolishness that's being taught that Christians have demons that they have to have cast out I refute that there is no teaching in the New Testament that a Christian can be demon possessed there is nothing in those epistles that says that a Christian can have a demon and be possessed by a demon. You can be vexed. You can be uh, tormented. You can be aggravated or oppressed but there is no way you can have a demon in your life possessing your life because you're not under the authority of the, of the devil anymore. Come on. Woo. You are in the kingdom of God's dear son. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. What do you say about yourself? I'm delivered. We got these deliverance ministries today. I want to deliver everybody. You know? One guy said, if you, if, you, if you bite your fingernails all the time, that's a demon causing that. Oh, is that nuts? Huh? Yeah. It's not a demon. People have lost their minds, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they don't. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the church flocking after this foolishness today? Amen? There is nothing, nothing, no scripture, no evidence of such in the Bible. As a child of God, you're delivered from darkness. 
And Jesus himself said, if the Son makes you free, you are what? Free indeed. That means totally and completely. Amen. This one guy, you know, he, he pulled a scripture. They pull a lot of scriptures out of context. He pulled a scripture out of context where Paul said in Romans 7, that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And he went, he went with that one verse and said, that means that as a Christian, your flesh can have demons. Now, how do you come up with such nonsense as that? Amen. In other words, the Holy Spirit, Jesus can live in your spirit, and you can have a demon living in your body. Well, I, I'd like to just let him know what else the Bible says. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that lives and abides in you. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost ain't sharing his dwelling with no demon. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? We've been delivered from the power of darkness. What do you say? about yourself it makes all the difference in the world of knowing who you are in Christ and and declaring that and saying that about yourself it brings victory in your life uh, worship team come on I'm gonna get you up here so I can hush praise God every morning in prayer every day when I go to the Lord I worship him first huh I think that's what we should do. I praise Him and I worship Him every morning. And this is, these are some of the things that I thank Him for and praise Him for. I thank Him for the cross. I thank Him and praise Him for the blood of Jesus that's been applied to my heart. And I thank Him and praise Him that He is my heavenly Father and He's made me His Son and He's delivered me from the power of darkness. And that sin has no dominion over me and Satan has no dominion over me and the powers of darkness have no dominion over me because he's delivered me. And I praise him for that. And I say that of myself. Praise God. There's victory. That's your faith in operation. Do you know if most of these guys would spend more time declaring those things instead of trying to confess a Rolls Royce or a million dollars hey man how much greater it is to have these spiritual blessings because if you're in Christ he'll take care of those needs come on somebody he'll take care of your needs and your desires and he'll bless you in every way hallelujah let's stand